0: we It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student-athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is on campus today in Reno, Nevada at the University of Nevada, Reno, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio
1: audience.
0: How about that? Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. We're here with the uh, West Coast. Division of the National Order of Kappa Alpha, and we're here with two young men from the campuses of Arizona State and Arizona, and our first guest is Matthew Mudd from Arizona State. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We are doing great. We're going to talk to you about your service work at Arizona State, and okay. then we'll find out what's going on at Arizona, your rival, and we'll try to figure out uh, if, the, if there's a competitive nature there, maybe how, if we can actually pick a winner, if it's going to be a tie. So you don't have to um, make stuff up. But just tell us what you've been up to service work-wise with Kappa Alpha at uh, Arizona State University.
2: Okay, well, this past fall, we held our first philanthropy in, like, three years. Uh, it was called K Angels in the Outfield. Uh, we got six different sororities to part- uh, participate in it. We raised over a little over $5,000 for MDA, uh, which is really fun. Our biggest event was a balloon stomp. Which was pretty competitive between the girls, and actually some of the sororities have now started to steal our idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's angels in the outfield. Yeah,
0: K- but it's uh, angels in the outfield. So I thought so it's it was going to be kickball a
1: kickball tournament too. But kickball. the balloon, ston- the balloon stomp's pretty much the biggest event.
0: Okay, and five thousand dollars raised. Yeah, that is awesome. Let's have a quick round of applause for five grand with K.A.'s Arizona State. Thank you, Matthew. And now Nicholas uh, Loper. Hi, Nicholas. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm from uh, the University of Arizona, yeah. the Wildcats. What have you been doing with K.A. on campus in Arizona? So uh, last semester, we basically started up our philanthropy. Um, we started up with percentage nights throughout the year, and then this semester we're starting a So You Think You Can Serenade, basically a dance competition between sororities. Um, we're projected to gain in
2: around $11,000 at that.
0: Okay, so I'm hearing that's, to me, that's a tie, because he raised five grand cold hard cash. You want to raise 11 grand, but there's nothing in the bank yet. Exactly. So if you're half right, you'll get five grand. Yeah. And then we've got a total tie between Arizona State and Arizona KAs. That's that's good for me, because I didn't want to make one of you be the loser. Well, let me tell you. Well, that's awesome. Well, here's what we're going to do. Let me wrap this up real quick. 11,000 projected, that's awesome. Is that going to go to muscular dystrophy? Um, actually, this year we had a um, previous alumni who just graduated in 2012, suffer from a stroke over summer. Um, so basically this, semest- or this semester um, all the projected expenses for that are donations from that is gonna go to him and his family. That's great to hear. Um, Nicholas, thank you so much. 11,000 projected with your philanthropy at Arizona. And uh, Matthew, five grand in the bank for muscular dystrophy with Arizona State. Thank you so much. And let's have a round of applause for everybody here. (laughs) Kappa Alpha Order at the University of Nevada, Reno. Thank you guys.
1: Get to know Adam
0: at AdamRich.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is on location in Fort Myers, Florida. I'm inside Hammond Stadium. It's the home of the uh, Fort Myers Miracle baseball team and also the Minnesota Twins spring training facility in the major leagues. And our guest is General Manager Andrew Seymour. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. You, you kidding? Thanks for having me here in this uh, facility. It, uh, if you've been to Fort Myers, uh, pretty close to the uh, airport, the International Airport, it's Hammond Stadium. It looks like, uh, I'm glad you mentioned this earlier off mic, it looks like Churchill Downs a little bit, the uh, architecture. Yeah, the walk
2: up to the stadium is really appealing. And if you're from the north, boy, this, this grabs you right away and it hits you right in the heart. And it's great. The palm trees. It's a great tree line, the green grass, and the Churchill Downs effect on a beautiful stadium. It's compelling,
0: and you can see from the highway or from uh, I guess Cypress Six Mile Cypress Road, Six Mile Cypress Parkway. Yes, you can see from the Parkway uh, just under the press box. It says "Home of the Minnesota Twins Spring yes. Baseball," or
2: it's where it all happens. Yeah, yes. and and we we're lucky. We you know there's some g- tremendously loyal fans from the Midwest that come down here each year, and it's become a destination spot because you know this is the 24th year of the Minnesota Twins doing their spring training here. So it's, it's an established residency here, and, and they love what the Twins do, these fans do. And I do, too, of course, being here. And uh, it's, it's a really nice, is a terrific fan base here, very pleasant, very nice, very loyal. And uh, we're luckily, luckily enough to be heralded as one of the, the friendlier facilities, and that's a, you know, a testament to our staff.
0: And we're going to bring on the show to talk about uh, the philanthropy and the role in the community that your players have with the Fort Myers Miracle. Uh, before we get to that, explain... I guess what your role is as general manager of the Fort Myers Miracle minor
2: league baseball team. Yeah, well, thank you. And, you know, we're very lucky. You, you and I talked about a number of things, and, and it, it sometimes it talks, you know, it, it paints a big picture uh, when I say that. I mean, it, when you break it down, though, we're all about promoting an event, uh, delivering on the event, and showing people a good time so they want to come back. My job as a general manager is – I guess to oversee, I shouldn't say I guess. It is to oversee the operation as a whole and that sounds grand, but um you know if you if you break it down, uh, we show people a good time as I mentioned before, do it with a great staff and, and oh by the way, there's a baseball game in the middle, middle of everything. So, and did you, do you have a baseball background? Did you play baseball as, a, as in college or high school or I I did. I played in high school and you know I had I, I really enjoyed the game and, and I was I grew up in Toronto, and I uh, was really taken back by the way baseball marketed itself. That's what really drew my interest. Um, i played a lot of hockey and other sports, too, but and, you know, it was kind of you, you figured the path would be from Toronto would be to be in, ho- in hockey, but I loved the way baseball was marketed, and, again, I was one of those guys that came down here to do, finish up my internship, had the opportunity, and I was, I was just taken back when I saw the facility, and the opportunity uh, of course, being Canadian, I couldn't get paid or anything, but had a great time. And there was a real contagion effect being part of something like this, and I very much liked the atmosphere. I realized very quickly I was not going to be throwing batting practice. There was no gonna, there was no Disney story on me making the major leagues or getting a tryout. Uh, you know, check your ego at the door and realize you are very much in the customer service industry um, and talking to people about you know give it, showing them a good time on their entertainment dollar.
0: So, Andrew Seymour is our guest. He's the general manager of the Fort Myers Miracle. And how many guys are on the team? How many players?
2: You know, you have a 25-man roster, and you usually have about five coaches as well.
0: So, those 25 guys, the players, uh, they're encouraged uh, to get involved with the Fort Myers community, maybe teach a few kids how to read or get
2: involved with a charity. What is their role in this community? Now, great question. real quick is, we ask a lot of the community, we ask them to support us for – the minor league season is over six months, and when you put a major league spring training schedule in front of that, it's a good eight months of baseball or you're asking people to come out and support you. So, in turn, are we really – we try to give back as much as we can. The minor league players, getting them out into the marketplace, we're the professional team of the area. You know, in this, in this area right here, um, you have the Fort Myers Miracle. Uh, you don't have the Tampa Rays. You don't have uh, the Minnesota Twins, let's say – When the big league guys are gone, this is what you got. So it's very important for us to give back. Uh, back into the community, give back, uh, say thanks, uh, do all those initiatives that really profile ourselves but really get the players out there because the kids identify with the players. They don't always know their names, mm-hmm. but they know that name on the front of the jersey which says miracle, oh, it's baseball, oh, yeah, I've been there, I have a nice time. And, and for the players to get out there, it's a partnership whereby we have to ask the players. The Twins as a parent club. That's one of the initiatives that they really endorse is the players giving back to the community and getting out there. Um, we work in partnership with the players and the Twins and say, hey, can we get can we be out on this many number of occasions? Absolutely. Our field manager is Doug McAvich. He's very accommodating in terms of getting the guys out there, his players. Uh, and for our players, it's a platform to profile who they are, learn a little bit about them, and it gives them a chance to see, how wow, this is what happens in outside of baseball because baseball is a huge commitment day-to-day for these players. So it's refreshing for them to see the community members and in turn as well for us to give back to the community. What are some of your favorite... I guess, service projects that your guys do? Well, as you can see, I'm not short on, on words, but I love to get out and speak. I, one of the things I love to do is go into schools, and it's not about me. I usually introduce the players and let the players talk and tell about their experiences because that's what the kids are interested in. They're not interested in a guy like me in a suit. They're really not. Uh, they they pegged me for a dork as the, as the driver when I first come in. <laughs> they, they know that guy is doing something, but he's getting the players to us. So, you know, I like getting out to the schools because that's, that's the fan base of today and tomorrow the kids, and and the players realize that too. The players better identify with the kids than they probably do um, going out to a Chamber of Commerce events, and I say that respectfully because the players are probably closer in age to some of the grade school kids, uh, and again, true respectfully, I say that respectfully, than they are to the Chamber of Commerce members, and the Chamber of Commerce members are terrific. Uh, We get out there to those events too, but they also run a different time pattern. School's a bit of an easier in because our players uh, can get out to the school system. But anyways, we involve ourselves beyond school and Chamber of Commerce events. Every civic event we can be at, uh, we certainly try to. Uh, Some of the ones that are great are Habitat for Humanity, Harry Chapin Food Bank. Um, Any initiative that's going on this time of year is something we definitely get out and support too.
0: A lot of golf down here in Florida. The weather is is great for golf, but sometimes
2: it's a little too hot for golf. Is Is there a Fort Myers Miracle golf outing? Fantastic. You know, that's a great question. Um, there is a spring training. Spring training, there's one with a lot of major league appeal. Uh, spring training, the Minnesota Twins do one, a fundraiser for the hospital. We, as the miracle, we do one usually in August. We've had some pushback in our number of years uh, because of the, the weather. <laughs> in august we get a lot of rain so this was the one year our very good partners uh, over at the golf course they were doing a remodel so we took the year off and uh we did an indoor bowling event had some success with that have done a mini golf so anytime you know the only constant is change and we try to yeah. adjust accordingly we do there's a lot of golf in this area we don't partake in it as much as we'd like neither do our players because of the demands of their schedule so uh this is golf mecca um we try to get the courses out here and you know, see yeah. our players and eventually uh, patronize their courses. I too. love to golf. Let me
0: know if there's uh, you know what maybe just you and I should go golf and talk yeah. about this. <laughs> uh, Andrew Seymour is our guest the general manager of the Fort Myers Miracle. Um, that's awesome all that work you guys do in the community. Let's talk real quick Just, uh, I'm just curious about scheduling with the Minnesota Twins using your facility for spring training and you've got your own team the, the Fort Myers Miracle using the same exact field mm-hmm. how does that uh, schedule how do two teams use the same facility in a spring in a baseball season?
2: Well that's a great question Uh, I'll give you a quick layout of the timelines usually the major league players report for spring training right around Valentine's Day the minor leaguers report in the first couple days of March usually the first five days of March Um, when I say the minor leaguers if you're not on the major league invitee list if you're not in that big league 25-man roster or the 40-man roster uh, and then if you're not on that, your, your minor league players, they're showing up, and there's, that's encompassing five to six teams at the minor league level. They're going to show up the first week of March at the facility. We're very lucky. This is an 88-plus acre facility with uh, 11 fields. So we've got a tremendous amount of room for the guys to work out, get their work, so to speak, in. There's batting cages indoors. There's an agility field. Uh, there's fields for training. There's fields for everything. And, uh Again, with all those amenities around here, you can have uh, you know 200-plus guys working out at the same time. The pinnacle stadium, being Hammond Stadium right here, is in spring training reserved for the major league club. Again, the big league appeal, the big facility, uh, and you've got to accommodate all the fans, too. They want to come out and see the big league guys, and you recognize the appeal. And so, uh, The guys that are the minor league system, they're working on the side field, so to speak. Um, you know, the, I guess you would say the pinnacle for them or the, the big draw for them is to get to that. Big stadium. Do, does the
0: uh, do, do your guys play the Twins and any sort of um, you know I guess scrimmage?
2: That's happened on a few occasions. Yes, and uh, where, where the minor league club, the Miracle, has come over here to play uh, the Twins. It happened last year. Uh, scheduling we had with the World Baseball Classic. Yes, yeah, sometimes you had to find an opponent when some of your some of your guys were away. But during the course of the of the spring training campaign, you do see some names of the of, you know former Miracle players or very recent miracle players on the major league roster uh just for a day or two and that's that's always a fun thing for the fans it's fun for our front office staff and game day workers to recognize that again with the twins one of the really 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 refreshing things is they develop a lot of talent from within so um at the minor league level we're the stars you know the stars come see the stars of tomorrow today Mm -hmm. so um you know it's one of the mantras of the league and there's so many tremendous players that have played for the Miracle over the 23 years here um, that, that have ascended to the major leagues. It's, it's a nice story. The Twins are really a great story in this area.
0: Well, it's a beautiful facility, and we encourage anybody listening to come down, not only for spring training to watch the Minnesota Twins, but then uh, for the whole season to watch the Fort Myers Miracle. You can find out more information at the website, which is? MiracleBaseball.com. Okay, and before I let you go, um, you mentioned you're from Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you something. You'll probably eye roll me right now, but what is the deal with Rob Ford? So, but uh, yeah,
2: he 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 uh, he moves the needle, doesn't he?
0: He is uh, one of the most interesting characters of, of the entire of the of the decade, and um, still has his job. I think he's he, he's not been officially fired. You smoke crack, and is that? I mean, is that a good message to send the youth of Canada? Of Canada? <laughs> Oh, man, now you're asking me to to, to give a... let me put it this way. You're the general manager of the Fort Myers Miracle. One of your staff members, not a player, uh, one of your staff members Mm -hmm.
2: uh, admits to smoking crack. What do you do as the GM? Well, first first and I'll be dry here, but the first read of passage would be to get him get him or her some help for some counseling and what have you, but uh i will put myself in this situation here. If I were to um do something that would put me in the, the wrong type of limelight, uh, you know, it would cost me my job.
0: It would cost you your job. Yes, yeah well, we cover a lot of drug and alcohol awareness on this show as well, so I just I had from being from Toronto, I had to ask
2: you what your take was on that. did you Did you or would you vote for him? Well, you know what? I did not vote for him because I, I'm not up there. I haven't been there for years. And, uh, but uh, would I vote for him? Oh, When he was campaigning, it was a different picture, so I'm not sure what I would have based my, my vote on. I, I don't even know what his incumbents or his opposition was at the time, so I can't even, can't even address it. But okay, apparently well let's, he was a, pop, a somewhat popular choice at the time. He's, cr- he's crazy. He's a, he's a
0: circus. It's unbelievable to watch him. Is he? Are you proud of Toronto when you see him on the news?
2: <laughs> right now, you, you, you're kind of looking for other things, or even Justin Bieber makes him uh, catches a, a better. <laughs> no, uh, uh, you know, there's there's so many good things, and 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 I'm I'm sure he's done a number of good things, but there's so many good things to talk about that, you know, it's unfortunate some of the news comes out in that fashion about him. Uh, you know, I, again, it, 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 he is a punchline right now, and yeah. he's he, he's got to turn that around. And I I don't have. Uh, I don't have a plan for them in place, but uh, how to, you know, crisis management, I'm sure somebody can help them out.
0: And then, I, you know what, this just popped in my head. You mentioned Justin Bieber. And with uh, music and American pop culture and radio, with uh, my radio background, I've always heard this rumor. Maybe you don't have a, necessarily a music radio background, but have you heard this rumor or what are your thoughts on this? Pop radio in Canada, there's been a federal Canadian law mm-hmm. that they have to play at least one Canadian artist every hour. So it can't just be, you know, a classic rock station. Just can't play Van Halen right. um, and Led Zeppelin from England. Uh, they've got to sneak in some Brian Adams.
2: Yes. No, you're absolutely is that right. A rule? Oh, it is. And, and, and it, 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 Canadian content, I believe in it. Again, I'm I'm speaking out of turn here. I think it's higher than one an hour. I think it's more like thirty percent content. But no again, kidding. again, uh, I speaking. Uh, Antiquated notes here, but um, you know, again, even in our ballpark when I was with the Vancouver Canadians, we still tried to maintain uh, percentile content over our public address and our choice of music between innings. Where we would have Max Webster, Kim Mitchell, whatever you want to call them, we had Brian Adams, we had the bare naked ladies, uh, um, tragically hip, uh, Anne Murray. Celine Dion keep going (laughs) but uh, the snowbird yeah we didn't have her too much but we we, you know we did Michael Boublier and it it continued I mean but you know there's something to be said for that is it progressive I'm not sure but does it promote your own I'd have to say yes and that's something we do at the minor league level I promise you we promote that heck out of everything I thank you for giving me the platform to mention Miracle Baseball because that's what we do all the time. We promote the name on the front of the jersey, um, and that's what we live and, and swear by. So...
0: Well, it's been very interesting uh, spending the day with you here. The facility is awesome. It's Hammond Stadium. Uh, if you come to Fort Myers, you really can't miss it. It's right near the International Airport. Uh, spring training begins uh, in March with the Minnesota Twins, yes, and then uh, April begins the season for the Fort Myers Miracle. Check them out, uh, please, online and, and get involved with their Facebook and Twitter. Uh, it's really a cool thing. And the, and the uh, I'll take some pictures here and post them on the website as well, but they're redoing the uh, outfield, putting a boardwalk in around the perimeter. Of the outfield. Real quick before I let you go, I, we're, we're never going to end this interview, by the way,
2: because it's so interesting to me. Uh, tell us about the boardwalk that you're building
0: around the uh, perimeter
2: of the outfield. Well, you know, it's, it's very important today when, when you're asking people to invest their time and come out and support you. And again, we talk about this in the community all the time is, is the give back is so important to us. And one of the give backs when we have people here is to show them a good time, make sure they're getting good value for their entertainment dollar and really enhance that fan experience. So what you see going on here, uh, you know, visually you can't see it, but we can talk about it's it's a wraparound boardwalk, a 360 degree uh, viewing. Uh, so when you come to the ballpark, again, it's not about sitting in your seat and looking at your program. It's about walking around, seeing the different vantage points, enjoying some some uh, you know some ballpark fare on one side of the stadium and going over the other and having a snow cone and and those fun kind of things. And just it, it, it's it's the allure of the it, it's the allure of the minor leagues with a major league appeal because of course we're a spring training facility, but it's it's intimate at the same time it's professional and it's it's just alluring it's encompassing and, and hopefully we're showing people a good time the most gratifying thing at our level is for people to come out here and say wow that was that was fun that was an experience i enjoyed every minute of it the place was clean friendly and you know what you see them at the exit gates and they say hey you know what i'm going to tell my friends and i'll be back that's the most gratifying thing in our business that we can learn This is P.J. Fleck, head football coach at Western Michigan University, and you're listening to The Adam Ritch Show.
0: Rolling on on the uh, campus of Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, we're with the Director of Basketball Operations for the Boilermakers. This is Elliot Bloom. Hi, Elliot. How are you? Great. How are you? I am uh, doing fantastic. Thank you for your Purdue hospitality, uh, the home of the Boilermakers, and as the
1: Director of Basketball Operations uh, for the Boilers, what do you do? Well, I get asked that question a lot, and I've I've oftentimes thought I should start writing this stuff down because it changes uh, day-to-day. But basically, I'm a coach that doesn't recruit or coach on the floor. So I handle all of our administrative duties. I handle some on-campus recruiting, our travel responsibilities, our our day-to-day weekly weekly schedules, monthly schedules. I schedule our non-conference games, um, and I just kind of am the liaison to the administration here at Purdue. If there's 10 seconds left in the game, Produce down one. There's a timeout. Can you run in the middle of the huddle and go, wait, 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 let's do this. The only thing I would do <laughs> in that case is say we don't have any timeouts left or we have one timeout left. That's my responsibility in game is to keep track of timeouts and fouls. So other than that, I'm not messing anything up or getting in anybody's way. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. So uh, we bring you on the show to talk about uh, social
0: media within the team and how you use it or I guess allow the student athletes to use it. Uh, we cover a lot of social issues on this broadcast and we really like hearing how um, experts in the field uh, apply these, I guess, rules, team rules to their own players and I consider you an expert in the field since you are a, a coach for a Division One basketball team. How do you handle social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram
1: with your own players? Well, we try to educate them best we can on the uses of it, the benefits of it, but also some of the detriments of it as well. Um, when we get to the point where we start practice, we do not allow our players to be on Twitter anymore. Um, and we do that for a variety of reasons. There's, As you know, guys tweet things sometimes that seem very uh, innocent, but if taken out of context, they can be a, mean a big thing, especially to our opponents. If a guy tweets something, um, it, it other teams can doctor it in just about any way they want to make it locker room material, you know, bulletin board material in other locker rooms, and we've done that before too. We'll see a tweet from a, a an opposing player that we're getting ready to play, and it may be, it may be a simple tweet just as excited about playing Purdue, and we'll put it up on the board and tell our guys, well, why is he excited about playing? They think he's going to beat us. They think they're just going to walk in the gym and automatically get a yeah. W. And and it's it's funny how you can manipulate that stuff. So to just save our guys from having to deal with any of that. Uh, we don't we don't allow them to tweet during the season, and it's less of a distraction too. Um, we go back and look at some of the a number of tweets that our guys have have tweeted over the last you know five six years, and it's astounding. And as coaches, it leads us to ask, well, how many hours have you spent tweeting when you could have been in the gym working on your shot, yeah. and or working on your ball handling, or you know getting better at basketball? So then you start to question. Are you really, do you really have both feet in in terms of basketball? Are you really in this 100% or are you more worried about social media and your Twitter account than you are your jump shot? So to save all those arguments, we just think it's best for our guys to, to stay away from it during the season. And I think in a, in a way our guys, it almost takes some pressure off of them because anybody who has a Twitter account knows when you start a Twitter account, you have to keep up with it or yeah. people, you know, drop you or don't follow you or it becomes what's the point? And when they don't have to worry about tweeting, I think it takes some of the pressure off of them and lets them focus on the season. Let me ask you, when you said uh, you can take a tweet from an opposing player, even
0: if it's innocuous, like can't wait to play Purdue, you can put that up on the board and say, hey, look what player X at Illinois said about playing Purdue. The extreme example of that, if you see or have you seen a player on an opposing team with um, a misdemeanor felonious activity in a tweet, a message about guns or drugs that you then maybe take it a step farther and contact the league office and get that
1: kid suspended for the game. Well, there's been some, and at our level too, with the, as thick as the NCAA rulebook is, there's a lot of times when guys will tweet things that are NCAA violations and they don't, they don't know. We had an incident where um, one of our walk-ons' brother committed to the football team here and he sent him a congratulatory, hey, you know great decision on coming to purdue and because the kid hadn't actually signed his letter of intent yet he couldn't direct message him on twitter like he did and so it was actually actually a you know secondary violation um you know it's that's that's been some of the examples you know that that our guys don't even know the rule when it comes to social media and recruits and that's kind of a gray area that even the NCAA is looking into you know and that's something that will always evolve, but there's been instances like that. There's been instances that we use for examples from other schools that maybe uh, somebody tweets, um, or, or will put a, uh, a picture on Twitter, and there's alcohol in the background, and then you know there's underage people involved, and all of a sudden now, you know, you almost put the pressure back on law enforcement or whoever the administration or adults are in that certain situation. Now they feel like they have to follow up because everybody and their brother knows what's happened because it's hit the Twitter world. So. Um, as, as good as Twitter can be, there's also a lot, of, a lot of problems and issues that can pop up, and a lot of times our guys may not even know that there are potential issues until you get them educated on it.
0: Elliot Bloom is our guest, Director of Basketball Ops for the Purdue Boilermakers, and I have to ask, Twitter is off out of bounds, and off out of bounds, there's a little basketball reference, see how good I am, uh, off limits for the guys during the season. What about all the other things? Um, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr. And the other
1: seventy-five million things that I probably don't even know about because I am too old. Well, and you just mentioned a couple that I, you know, have no idea about. So that's that's one of the challenges as as administration and coaches, you know, keeping up on all that technology, finding out what it is, what you know, knowing the ins and outs of it, um, and and could it be used in a way similar to Twitter? Could it be detrimental to you know what we're trying to accomplish as the team? And we kind of take it case by case and. Like, for instance, Facebook, you can be on Facebook, but we don't, you know, we want you to limit your use and we want you to block certain people from being able to be friends with you on Facebook. So, you know, we talk about Facebook, it seems like it's like the old version of email and, you know, email was the old, you know, snail mail and phone calls. So it's just the way, the speed at which the technology is developing is unbelievable. I know Instagram is one of the things that our guys were on last year. We didn't set up any rules for that, but that's something we'll probably be addressing this year is something that we'll ban them as well as you know as Twitter for the coming season. So
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to ban them from Twitter, you, you have to ban them from Instagram. Yep.
1: Cause, uh, and
0: you know what? By the time that ban comes through and you're on the second game of the season, there's going to be something else that, yep. that we don't know about, and they're not going to run into your office and say, Hey, hey, Coach,
1: guess right. I just want to let you know about this new Twitter that we're using. Right, and that's the thing, too, is who Monitors that so now one of us has to get an Instagram account to monitor, you know, the other Instagram accounts. So, uh, the, the pace at which it's, which it's changed, which it changes, is, is amazing to us. And it, in a way, I guess it keeps us young because we're having to get on there and chase these guys down. But, uh, but also, too, you know, we understand the value of it and getting our uh, message out and our brand in Purdue basketball and, and connecting with, you know, recruits, fans, and the people that we are trying to reach. There is a benefit to it, but you just have to be able to do it in a very responsible manner.
0: Well, we thank you for your time. Elliot Bloom is the uh, Director of Basketball Operations for the Purdue Boilermakers. Before I let you go, the uh, Mackey Arena, the uh, stadium where Purdue plays basketball, has just gone through a 700000000 dollars renovation. Um, actually, what was the renovation? How much?
1: Roughly 100 million, just under 100 million. To 100 the whole, million, yeah, to the whole uh, the whole building, and that included the uh, the, the three story building we attached to it, new practice core, weight room, uh, training complex, all that stuff. So. Okay,
0: so with the new 100 million dollar renovation,
1: uh, and we encourage all
0: basketball fans to just Google Purdue Basketball and check out the images. It's pretty astounding. What is your favorite part of this new renovation?
1: Well, uh, I like the fact that we didn't touch much of the interior bowl. We kept the, 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 most of the arena intact in terms of a game atmosphere. But the amenities for, in, that I like the best are probably back in the locker room, the film room, uh, the players' lounge, selfishly the coaches' lounge because we have some nice uh, recliners in there and, and uh, are able to kick back and watch some games before or after practice. So that's, that's nice from a selfish standpoint. But for our players, it's got to be the locker room and the training room right next door because that's where they spend a majority of their time, uh, well over 300 days a year in, the, in that locker room. So it's uh, it's bigger, it's more comfortable, and it's state-of-the-art. So that's probably got to be the most impressive part for us.
0: It is very impressive, Purdue basketball. Uh, we thank you for your time.
1: Before I let you go, do you have a Twitter? I do. ER Bloom uh, is my Twitter handle. So I'm, uh, I'm not as... Uh, I'm not as uh, avid a Twitter as our players. I don't have the, you know, the 10,000 tweets that they are up to, but, uh, but I tweet from time to time and try to keep it uh, sports-related, and especially when it pertains to Purdue basketball or uh, sports that are going on in the Indianapolis area at
0: E.R. Bloom. He is Elliot Bloom from Purdue University. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in
0: studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit AdamRitzShow.com.